What's up, Pats fans? We're back. Pats Tailgate Party Podcast episode. I'm going to pass to Dad. Dad, what episode is it? 16, but who's counting? Yeah, man. I'm salty <laughs> again today. I'm angry. Uh, wow. That was, uh, yeah. Episode... that by your comments on Sunday in the BSJ oh, chat. Oh, perfect storm coming at you. It was a level five typhoon coming at you. Uh, yeah, that perfect comments. storm wave crashed. You, you didn't even wait. You were doing that in the first quarter, man. Yeah, we'll uh, talk about why. We'll talk about why here in a minute. I told you about it Monday morning, but uh, but we're, we're back. Episode 16. Uh, excited, excited to be here with you all, not necessarily, uh, excited to come off that loss to the dolphins. Uh, but, uh, Michael Lake is here. My handle at Boston sports journal is Pat Sox Celtic Brews. If you haven't gone to Boston sports journal, you got to go. It's, it's literally, I say it every week. We'll always say it. We're all members here, Boston sports Greg Bedard puts on the best Pats coverage you can have. And if you're a Pats fan and you're not on Boston sports journal, you're missing out. Uh, a great columns, great articles, great video breakdowns. Get on there and subscribe. Uh, we'll pass it around the room. Uh, got uh, got got Chubb back today. Chubb, I'm going to go to you. It's been a while, so we'll pass to you. How are you today? Morning, everybody. Uh, I think like you, I'm a little bit cranky, but I would just like to start off to, to say that I think it's all relative, and maybe we're a little shell-shocked from last year, but regardless of how cranky we are the last three out of four weeks and heading into the playoffs, regardless of what happens on Saturday night, this season has been a, a big step in the right direction. I know today we're going to dive into some warts and that's okay. That's what we do, but uh, I'm still happy having been entertained by just about every game this year, including the ones they fell behind in and sort of clawed back. At least there's hope there. It's awesome. Good. Hey, Chubb, what's your uh, username on BSJ for everybody? Uh, Chubbanella. Chubbanella. And Chubbanella. And that, uh, just to, a little quick aside on that, that uh, my friend Michael, who passed away from cancer, and I were best friends our whole life. And um, we had nicknames for everybody in uh, junior high, and that was one of them for a, uh, a, a very special girl. So we called her Chubbanella. And um, <laughs> I remember the week he was dying – he laid lay there and he said, don't ever forget Chubbanella. So I've used that as sort of my handle moving on as a tip of the cap. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story for sure. All right. Yeah. Over, over to the right here, Andrew Lakis, Andrew, what's up? Uh, how's it going guys? Um, I'm good. I mean, I, uh, Sunday wasn't a lot of fun. Uh, and I've thought about it a lot over the last couple of days. So, you know, we'll, we'll break it down. And, and I think I'm with Chubb though. I mean, I think, um, it's frustrating. I don't have a ton of, I'm trying to find something that I can hang my hat on for Sunday. Uh, but at the very least, I do think it's a step forward. I mean, I think this is where we, this is where I thought they'd be 10 and seven making the playoffs. Uh, and so they're there. Uh, and you know, on the BSJ website uh, or in community, I'm winter coats. Uh, so uh, I try not, I try to be the antithesis of the perfect storm. Mike and I try to balance each other out. He's in there dropping bombs and I'm usually trying to find some, some sort of silver lining or, or critical thought that might move us forward. What we like to call yin and yang, yin and yang. All right. Over to the right of you, Mike Davis, Mike, how are you? Mike from Stoneham. Well, last time I was broadcasting from someplace very warm and today I am not. So the weather is similar to how I'm feeling about the Patriots, but Hey, look, I, I'm, I am Mike and Stoneham on the broad on uh, BSJ and, and, and I will remind everybody, I think it's the best pay coverage anywhere. Um, hands down. 
Um, and, and as I said last week, I'm spending a little more time on the Bruins side because there's a lot going on there too. But, you know, Greg's phenomenal and, and the video analysis, the analysis, it's just first rate. Um, I, I was never one who thought they were going to make the playoffs this year. And, you know, if you kind of break it down into thirds, they were two and four, then they went on that run of six and oh, and then, you know, they've kind of fallen back to earth in this last third. So I, I, I mean, I, I don't think I ever got too high or too low. And so, you know, maybe they're a game or two better than I expected. And so they, they squeaked into the playoffs, but I do think that, um, this might be the last time we see Belichick coaching at the Patriots. And that's going to be the hot take that I'm going to talk about today. I don't have my soundboard. If I did, I would, I would <laughs> smack the hot take sounds. Wow. All right. We'll get to that for sure. All right. Down below me, my, my, uh, my father, Doug Lake is dad. How are you? Hey, good, Mike. Hi guys. I'm D Lake is on BSJ. Uh, I'll just say that it's going to be fun to be able to turn the TV on Saturday night and watch the playoffs. And, and be and be interested in the playoffs. Um, that, that's what it's all about to me is to, at the end of the season to be able to watch the Patriots in the playoffs. We'll be able to do that, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Right. Hey, Dad, uh, before we get into the Pats, can you tell uh, tell everybody the story of what happened to you this weekend? I, I told you guys, I told Andrew he'll get the biggest kick, I think. So we stopped to grab something to eat the other night, and we were sitting there, and I had my hat on, and I had one of my rings on. And I looked over and there's about five or six people just staring at me hard, laughing as they could laugh, pointing. And the manager of the restaurant finally came over. And I said, what, it's, what's so funny? Yeah. He said, are you Bruce Arians? <laughs> <laughs> he said, what's with the ring? I said, well, if I was Bruce Arians, I should be in Tampa. We play on Sunday. <coughs> but uh, he said, yeah, we all up there. We all thought we were lucky and had Bruce Arians oh. sitting in the restaurant tonight. Bruce Arians and uh where would it be, Dad? Where would it be? Uh Calabash, North Carolina with Bruce. Yeah, we, yeah, that's where we were. I don't you should have signed, oh. signed some autographs. Man. Oh, man. Man. I said if I'm Bruce Arians, do I get the free free meal tonight or what? Yeah, free uh free old fashioned or something. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, Should have told awesome. him you were looking for Antonio. <laughs> Where is he? I was trying to find him. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So uh so salutations are over. Now it's time to jump into what we saw on Sunday. Uh first of all, I maybe I'm jumping ahead too far, and this isn't a Dolphins podcast, but the fact Brian Flores got fired after that game is just what in the and I but I say it's not a Dolphins podcast. He was a Pats, obviously defensive coordinator for a long time, and I I love him. I don't care where he coaches. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, what in the hell was that? Like, I, I mean, and, and when it happened, by the way, I thought the, the owner, uh, Morris, I thought he was, it was like, he's a Michigan guy. I'm like, all right, let's got Harbaugh lined up. And then we find out that's not even the case. He just let the guy go. So well, when he got fired Adam, I, I, I heard Adam Schefter right afterwards talk about that. There had been some questions about, he had some coaches he wanted to let go. The owner didn't want that to happen. And then there was some question about who was going to be in uh, control of personnel decisions and so on and so forth. And I guess that was just it. He said, okay, I got to go. So, well, all right. Any, I mean, I, I just threw it out there. I mean, you know, I just think it's crazy. I, I mean, maybe he's putting heads with management, whatever, but I mean, they won seven games in a row at one point this year after starting one and seven and, and we're darn close to making the playoffs. I mean, but I think back on, Nick Saban years and some of the other coaches of the Dolphins. This is about the most stable coaching situation you can get down there. I can't believe it happened. It won't be long before he has a job. So. No, yeah. I think this is the opposite. Oh, go ahead, Mike. 
No, and, and, and oh, by the way, he just went and put that Alabama offense in to, to make Tua, who had been ineffective earlier in the season, really effective. And yeah. boy, that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to see the Patriots do, right? With Take Matt, a guy who yeah. was whose confidence needed to be built and build it right up again. So he won't be unemployed long at all. I think he's no, I mean, probably going to end up with the Bears. Yeah, I think I love Flo. Looking at the state of coaches in the NFL, he should get another head coaching job. Um, I think he's a, he's a he's a great coach. Clearly, I'm the opposite of a hot take though, which is just kind of a lukewarm uh, uh, analysis. I mean, I think there's a lot going on in this situation. I, I don't think the Dolphins are patient. They're not a terribly well-run franchise, and Flo clearly has gotten a lot out of that team. I do think the the who gets to, the old Bill Parcells, uh, if I'm going to cook the meal, I want to buy the groceries is absolutely at play here. And I, I read something this week where somebody said, if you're from the Belichick coaching tree, you have to get personnel control because you're going to be a little surly. You're going to do things differently and you got to have like full accountability. Like you can't actually work with somebody else. And I think that's interesting. The one thing I'll just say from a management organizational management leadership perspective, where I side with Ross on this, is that this would be Flo's third offseason of wanting to make major changes to his assistant coaches. From a leadership perspective, I'm always worried if the guy in charge keeps firing people below him when they're not getting the results they want, I need a guy who says, that was on me. Like, here's what I'm going to do to get them better. That, that's, yeah. a weird, that's a weird factor that creates some instability. And if you are trying to stabilize this organization, I can see why you'd say, I got to pick the GM or I got to pick the coach. And I'm going to go with the GM in this case. Like yeah. Flo didn't do himself any favors. And I hope he learns that if he gets another head coaching job that you can't be changing staff every year. Like it actually makes you look like the problem. Yeah. It's uh, a red flag. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And hey, it's, it's Andrew, it's that, that was, you, you almost stole my take entirely. That was, I like the way you think, man. So my thought is that this Belichick coaching tree uh, what, what has their sort of role model been? It's a guy who's the czar of everything and makes every decision final. There's not, hasn't been a lot of, uh, modeling of collaboration from Belichick down in the, in the organization. So these guys that came up through the, through this in their twenties and thirties, um, you know, that's not the only way to skin the cat. There's other teams out there that have more of a collaboration between management and a GM and a coach. And so uh, I find it interesting to look at how these guys are getting out there and whether they want to buy the groceries or they can collaborate with somebody. And you're right, Andrew, about team building. I think it's critical that you have some continuity over time uh, in all areas of the team, low, high, and middle. And so uh, even, even uh, Van Oy coming and going last year was a, a head scratcher. So there's some real great stuff coming out of flow, but um, I, I was shocked to see that, but it's not terribly surprising based on the churn down there. Yeah, that's, good. I, that's a great point. I got one more thing I will just add to this um, that I was thinking about last night. Um, and this, I guess, segues to Patriots stuff and reading the, 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 the what's out there right now. A lot of fans unhappy with Belichick. Um, I think one thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the difference between kind of brilliance and once in a lifetime generational kind of smarts or talent and, and then other folks. And it is pretty clear at this point that Bill Belichick is a genius. And I mean, analytically, I'm not even talking about football. That man could have been a rocket scientist if he wanted to. 
these other guys are great coaches. They're probably great people. I think Flo is really talented. They're not oh generational genius. And so you cannot go replicating, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, Picasso has got a bunch of artists he works with, and then somebody wants to hire one of them to be the next Picasso. It just doesn't work. And so I think it's not a shock that if you look at like Vrabel and John Robinson in Tennessee, that's working because they're not trying to replicate a once in a lifetime talent approach. They're actually just going with what their strengths are. And they seem Chubb, to your point, they seem to have a really strong collaborative relationship. And I, you know, I just think that when we think about Patricia, when we think about Flo, when we think about McDaniels, and if McDaniels is the next coach of the Patriots, I really hope he does it his own way and doesn't try to recreate what Belichick has done. Because I think that's always going to be a thing that falls short. Yeah, well, I think I, to your point, Andrew, I think that's what happens when these other guys, when these other organizations hire Patriot guys off the Patriot coaching tree, they're hoping to replicate what they're getting in New England. It's not, and of course, that's not going to happen to your point. I will say, though, I think that when the Patriots really started this whole thing back in 2001, years ago, there was some uh, working together with the guys such as Pioli and Dimitrov and all those type of guys. And they really did a good job with Belichick as far as bringing in some of those guys that we like to talk about on those earlier teams. Um, that, that would be the only thing I would say about, help, you know, having assistance in, in the front office. Uh, at the end of the day, Belichick was still probably the guy who made the decision. But do you think, so, Doug? Though, okay, uh, very quick, do you think though that since their departure, nobody else has really had the stones to go toe to toe with Belichick in the last I don't know 10, 15, 10, 12 years, maybe, Fair maybe enough. it's you, you know. So those guys, I think, commanded the room with him. I'm not sure if anybody else does. Uh, Mike, what do you think? So here's the interesting thing. I I think one of the things that makes Belichick brilliant is his ability to teach, right? When you hear people talking, uh, folks from all different, whether they're a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman or a quarterback or a, a cornerback, they all talk about how he could get in and really get inside their head and, and, mm -hmm. and teach them how to be the best at their position. You heard about Nick Casario as being a guy who could actually get on the field and coach. And I wonder if one of the problems with this team is not only do they not have enough practice time, but I wonder if a kid like Steve Belichick isn't more of a statistical play guy and not somebody who has his dad's brilliance on how to get at the field level and, and really connect with players and understand, you know, why it's hard to get over there and set that edge or go over there and crack that edge block or whatever. Like, I feel like one of the things that makes Belichick so great is his ability to connect with players and really help them get better and understand where their weaknesses are and scheme around their weaknesses and scheme their strengths. We don't see this team scheming to their weaknesses, you know, scheming away from their weaknesses and scheming to their strengths. How many times has Matt Judon had to go head to head against a, a pulling guard? That's not what he's good at, right? He should be in space making a move at the quarterback. And if he's getting upset and tired of getting his brains beaten out because he's facing a, a pulling guard or a, or a left tackle all the time, I guess I don't really blame the guy because somebody should be moving him around so he can get up ahead of steam before he's coming against a, 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 a lineman who's ready to go put 50 or 100 pounds on him. Yeah. No, listen, I think, I think this is a good conversation. I think you're all making great points. Um, I, I, Andrew, when you were, it was, everybody was talking the example, the best example of the failure, I think of 
of what we're, I don't know if failure is the right word, but of what we're talking about where we're, where someone tried to take the Belichick role is probably Houston with Bill O'Brien where he went in. And, and granted, they made the playoffs, probably should have beat the Chiefs a couple of years ago and gone even further. But the point is it was Houston continues to want to kind of go Patriots South, right? And, they, you know, it's, you see him wanting to do it now again by bringing somebody in. Uh, I, I read an, a note the other day that said they want to bring somebody in uh, maybe from that organization again. So, you know, Flores is an interesting name there. But the point is, I think you guys are all on to something uh, when it comes to, um, you know, one, Belichick being a genius. Two, you know, is that filtering down now to the staff? Joe, I think you bring up a great point, which is now that he has this immortal status of being who he is, it, that's a hard thing. I think all of us who have been in organizations and in leadership, for instance, I know personally, when I'm talking to my direct supervisor or when I'm talking to somebody on my team, I'm a, I'm a personal guy, I can talk. But if I've never met the CEO and I come into a room with a CEO, I get a little, I get a little tentative, a little nervous. And I think that can happen. Um, and Belichick is the CEO. Like I bet people find it easier to talk to RKK than they do Belichick just because of who they are, even though RKK is the owner of the team. So I think it's a really great call. I want to transition into the game. Uh, that was a, that was a, I, I think Andrew does funnel into the game really well. I, by the way, just, just so you guys know, for when I was dropping bombs in the, in the comment section, <laughs> In, uh, in the first quarter of the game. And I explained this but in pre-show. It wasn't the pick six. It wasn't that they were down again. It was when I watched that defense start to play flag football again and not lay their hands on anybody and let the Dolphins go for 10 minutes, easy, matriculate down the field, no pressure whatsoever. Nothing was hard. Everything was easy. Everything took time. And they gave up that easy, soft powder puff touchdown. I was done. I, I literally, I had it on in the background. I love them. I'll never leave them. I'll always be here, but I had it on the background. I went to clean our bedroom and was just kind of watching it in the background because I'm so tired of watching this team come out soft on defense and get behind and try to claw back. And by the way, they're not very good at it. They've only done it a couple of times this year. And it really wasn't against any opponent that was worth anything. I was at the Houston game when they did it. Luckily Houston sucks and they were able to come back and win the game. But the point is, I'm just so tired of watching that. And that was why I was so irritated. I actually, at the end of the game, I don't know about you guys, at the end of the game, I, it, what I, it's, it's what I'd seen all year. I knew we weren't going to get that stop. I think I sent that text. I said, oh, here comes, uh, here comes an opportunity to get a stop. We haven't gotten one all year. So I don't know why we're going to get one now. And sure enough, two of scrambles for eight yards and ends the game. So that's my takeaway. I'm so tired of watching this team come out soft and not able to, to dominate another team a team in the Dolphins that has nothing to play for that, you know, you should be able to go into their house and beat them. And they come out soft and, and get behind quick seven. And then the pick six. And, and at that point I was, I was, I was furious. So I'll throw that out there and, and uh, we'll pick it apart. Well, one of the, one of the things that concerns me a little bit in watching the last four, four weeks, the pat all of a sudden there's no pressure at all. No pass rush at all. Whether or not Judon's hurt, whether or not, they're not doing the same things they were doing to get people free, get free rushers. But the, the, the pass rush is zero. They're, they're not putting any pressure on the quarterback because the offensive lines that they've been playing are not great. Um, I, I just, they just don't pressure the quarterback and let them sit back there, let them sit back there, let them sit back there. And then if there's an opening, they find it, they run eight, nine yards. I know we haven't gotten into Buffalo yet, but that's going to be a big issue again this week. So um, 
that that's one of my biggest takeaways. They just don't pressure. The, there's no pressure. To Mike's point, they're not physical, and there's no pressure on the defensive side. You know, Greg talked about last year's team as a bully ball team, right? They had a big quarterback. They had big running backs. They had big blocking. Like, that was their style. That should be their identity this year with a rookie quarterback. They've got two physical, talented backs. They've got a huge tackle that can, you know, really set the tone. They've got a very talented offensive line. They've got at least one guy who's interested in blocking in tight end. There's no reason why they shouldn't just be running the damn ball until the team stops it. And if they're going to overcommit on the run to stop it, now you should have your bubble screens. You should have your jet sweeps. You should have your misdirections. That's when your play action should be taking place. There's no reason on your first drive when it's third and two, you should be going empty. So, That's so ridiculous. Mike, 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 I agree with you with, with how they should play offense. I'm not concerned with the offense. The problem here and I agree, and I think we got into this, this debate, if you will, early in the game last Sunday, is that you have to that, that has to be complemented by the defense. And in order to play bully ball, you better get off the field quickly. So the team on so your offense, because they're two separate teams in the locker room, the offensive defense, you know this, they're two separate teams. They don't even communicate very often. It's literally two separate football teams that have to complement each other. And if you're letting up 10-minute drives, I'm not saying they shouldn't have run the ball in third and two. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're letting up 10-minute drives and you're not even a speed bump and the, uh, and the, the, the opposing offense is taking all that time, you, your bullet ball, once you're down a certain amount of time, you can't play that style of offense anymore because now I can't take 10 minutes to score because I'm allowing the other team to do the same thing. You've got to be able to, to, to tighten up and play physical defense. And so if you're going to play the bully ball style, which is what they have and what they're good at, totally agree, and takes pressure off of Mac. Well, and Bedard said this earlier in the year, the defense has got to be able to tighten up, put pressure on the quarterback, makes, make somebody make a tough throw. And for goodness sakes, and this, this is another point, maybe. Catch the ball. Be- Be- well, catch the ball. Belichick is so bad, and I don't know what this is. Andrew, you and I talked about this. I think it's a good, good topic of discussion. Belichick is so bad and has always been bad at defending the RPO. He sucked at it in the Super Bowl when the Eagles tore him apart. Literally, Frank Reich tore his ass apart with the RPO in the Super Bowl. And now two has done it, and he's 3-0 and because Flores knows, because he was his defensive coordinator, that he sucks at stopping the RPO. And so now, two, which is what we talked about last week, Mike, their offensive line sucks. But when he gets the ball out every in a millisecond because it's an RPO and it's a quick read and, and they don't know how to stop it, Belichick loses his mind. And I don't understand why it's so hard for him to stop the RPO. Like he's terrible at it. So I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just venting a little bit, but Andrew, I know you and I talked about it and and we couldn't figure it out, but I just, I I'm at a loss. He's the greatest coach in NFL history and he's and there's, but there's some things in the modern football era that he struggles with. And the RPO is one of them. He can't stop them. I don't know why. Look, Look, you even heard the announcers talking about how the guys are doing a terrible job of setting the edge that the key to the RPO is just that you got to contain. If you can't contain those guys and they're going to take the edge, the, the, your, your quarterback has too many options. And and you heard it. Judon couldn't set the edge. Uche couldn't set the edge. Dietrich Wise is horrendous at setting the edge. I don't know what he's doing on that edge. But, the, you know, for all the years when the Patriots were really, really great, there was always two defenders who could set the edge. And by the way, when they were running around the edges, you damn well had a, you had a tight end who could blow up that edge or, or a receiver. And that's one of the biggest things we're seeing now. 
you can, your tight end or your receiver or somebody, they are just picking that guy off the edge or they're sweeping somebody under that edge is wide open. And if yeah. that's the case, you're, you're always going to lose because you're always going to have an option for that, for that, that quarterback. There's either going to be a receiver there or there's going to be a running lane. And that's the point of the RPO. If you can contain, you can stop it. If your guys can't stop it, that's execution. Yeah. The quarterback's got the RPO. The quarterback's got to make a difficult choice, not an easy one. <laughs> right. And we're making it really easy for him. Chubbs, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think where we are right now, speaking of offense and defense, I feel like the offense is where it needs to be right now. And if the defense was playing better the way it should with the talent that you see off the field, this team would have a couple of more W's. There's no doubt about it. You can go back all the way to the uh, Dallas game or however far back you want to go when they needed to stop at the, late in the game to give the offense a shot to win the game. They never did it. We've so even if Tom Brady was on the team, I'm sorry, if the other team has the ball last and the lead and they can run the clock out, we lose. So I'm not so worried about the offense heading into next year. I think that's fixable with a couple of moves. Obviously we need some more talent at the receiving core. Um, this defense. Wow. It's shocking to me when you look at the roster on paper versus the results we're getting, something is not right. Uh, you know, Laura on BSJ talks about the mullet all the time. Um, Something's not clicking on the defensive side of the ball from the coaching down to the players. And it's showing up on the field every week for the entire year. Uh, it's really, to me, calls out this defensive genius uh, that we refer to Bill Belichick as. I love the guy. I, I'm so grateful he came here for the uh, uh, bulk of his career as a head coach. But it's really hard to watch this defense week in and week out underperform versus the talent they have and the mental mistakes and the, and potentially selfish plays as, as Greg's referring to now that has to get a wholesale change between now and next year, or we're going to have another year like this. Yep. Well, two, two, two guys who have to go. And I hate to say it 54 and 32 are done. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Hightower is a shadow of himself and, and McCordy has to catch that ball. They don't trust McCordy to play that position anymore. Otherwise, they would be pressing corners. They don't trust him to get over there and play that guy. And they and don't, they're, they're not turning it over. So, and I mean, one other thing, Mike, about that the, uh, the elder statesmen on the team are a lot different than from five years ago or 10 years ago. They're not ferocious leaders that are lighting a fire under the rest of the team. We're talking about. Uh, Devin McCourty's sort of a soft-spoken guy. Um, Matthew Slater, I love the guy. He should probably be the new character coach, but you, you know, he's a good spiritual leader, but who's out there doing the, the Brian Cox role or, um, um, Kevin Falk on the offense, where are these guys? And let alone that Brady's gone, there's a huge leadership vacuum on the team as well. And the older statesmen on the team aren't getting it done from that perspective either. Yep. I listen, I, I, it's hard to disagree. I, you know, and if you're going to play and Belichick's always, well, I shouldn't say always, we kind of, you guys alluded to it with, with some of the older players and, and the talent deficit uh, deficiencies we have. It's also, when you play bend, don't break defense, which is what they've played for years, it's hard to play that when you break. 
you know, not bend and break. Of the time. <laughs> bend and break, right? Which is right. which is just that's what they do. So I agree, complimentary football is important. Also, and and uh want to move us into to the Buffalo game because we do have a playoff game to talk about, which you all alluded to. It's exciting and, and we should talk about it for sure before we get out of here. But also special teams, man. Cam Acord, I mean, holy smokes. I whew, like there's for, for the amount of money they spend on special teams and the, the amount of focus that Belichick, you know, I mean, you, you, you want to, you want Belichick to talk, you know, talk to him about the, uh, you know, ask a question if you're a reporter about the, the technique of a long snapper. And I mean, he'll talk to you for 60 minutes, but literally they're terrible. I mean, they're, they're Greg talked about how bad Miami's uh, special teams was is one of his uh, things that he was most confident about. <laughs> I don't know about yeah. you guys, but holy crap! I mean, they're, they're yeah, it's bad, man. There are you guys awesome. know you you guys know I have a kicker in my house, right? And he was trying to decide between going track and field and kicking in college. I got to tell you, having been at a whole lot of kicking showcases, the performance we saw out of Bailey this week, he wouldn't have even gotten a Division One scholarship offer. That's how poor he was. There are better high school punters out there than what we saw out of Bailey last week. He's Coach, you know hurt. it. Oh yeah. But I mean, it's just, it was, his execution was so bad and it's been so bad for the last four weeks. We asked the same question. Why is he out there? Why haven't they brought somebody yeah. off of the practice squad or whatever? Seriously, coach, I bet you your punter was better than what you just saw last week. Wasn't he? We had, we had pretty good kickers there, but <laughs> I don't know that he's better than Jay Bailey, but I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I heard something a while back that Bailey is, is playing with an injury. Now, I don't yeah. know if that's the case. I, if that's the case, then he shouldn't be out there. But I, I don't know. The special teams thing just baffles me. The penalty they had the other day was just unexcusable for the fact that it's week 17 and you're lining up over the center. <laughs> you can't line up over the center. It's against the rules. I, I don't know why that kid was even there. And and these are the kind of penalties that are just breaking their back. Yep. Um, I think Gunner catches the, the third catch week the in a row that they've had a fourth down that they did make a stop. They've given up the first the first down because of a penalty. Yep. And then uh, late in the game, you know, you know, Gunner lets the ball bounce twenty yards uh, deep into the. I mean, it's just I you know. Anyway, let's let's Andrew, move on. Andrew's let's, waiting to say something. Hey, <laughs> let's move I mean, on. I, I, Go ahead, Andrew. No. Go ahead. We'll move to Buffalo. Oh, I just, I mean, the thing that, as a fan, it's just so frustrating to watch because you're used to, right? Um, That's right. You're you're used to a level of of smarts and execution, game planning and execution that like we just haven't seen the last two years. Um, even when we we're playing well on the winning streak this year, it still wasn't quite like we seen in the past and and that isn't just the brady side on the offense i actually I agree with chubb I, i'm not worried and mike you too i'm not worried about the offense i mean mac hasn't been good for a month let's be clear um but that's normal i mean this is where a rookie quarterback should be in mm -hmm. his year he's getting tired he's learning the speed of the game is you know catching up to him a little bit but yeah just the breakdowns are so frustrating to watch i i, I don't i don't know what to make of it i mean I, the, the one thing not to sound like a belichick apologist but I mean, you know, he knows this stuff too. It's not like he's sitting there and being like, oh, great. We gave it a college try tonight. Like, I mean, it's eating him up and he's doing the best. They're doing what they can to fix it. And for some reason, it's just not clicking. And I, I, I'd imagine my, my hunch on that uh, is, is a little bit of a, of a um, silver lining. I mean, I, I think they're a year early. I think he knew he needed to turn over the roster. 
I think the draft and the free agents largely were, were huge uh, contributions. I think some of the free agents will get better with year two. I mean, Bedard always talks about this, but in the NFL, it takes a year to learn a system. Like, um, and, and when you're an NFL player, you can't be learning and executing at the same time. Uh, it's just impossible. I, I think they need to have a good draft. I think they need to go sign a few of the veteran type free agents. Um, and, you know, I think they need a slot receiver pretty badly. Like that's going to be necessary for Mac, given the type of quarterback he is. I just say all this say like, it's frustrating, but I also think maybe they're where they're supposed to be. Like, I, I, I think in some ways I wanted them after that six and a start to start executing like the old Patriots. And I think that was probably unrealistic. I think that's a great point. The last thing I'll say before we move on is that in my all my years of experience, the one thing that you can't always um, change or mold is attitude. And a lot of these guys, the new guys came in, not used to the Patriot, quote unquote, the Patriot way. And, and I think we expected them just to fit into slots right away and be be the guys that were there before. I'm not so sure that's the case. And, and that takes some time and it takes some adjustment and, and not always from a coach's standpoint, can you affect that? I mean, it's, it's, you try, you do the best you can. And uh, it it may be some of that as well. Two quick points. Uh, Doug, first of all, I think that alludes back to what I said, which is uh, leadership on within and among the players uh, where, you know, a Willie McGinnis would pull a guy and put him up against the wall and say, we don't do that around here. So that's that I think is missing. And then on the special teams, uh, Michael, real quick, I think when we talk about um, roster management and and roster composition and the amount of resources dedicated to special teams, uh, and you juxtapose that with the fact that we've got people like uh, Harry still on the field instead of Wilkerson. And and there's a lot of talent that it seems that's maybe it's tier two talent, but why aren't these getting guys getting a shot on the field? Because the definition of insanity is what we're watching, which is keeping Nikhil Harry on the field into week 17. <laughs> My Lord. And so where's all the guys on special teams that have another role on the team? Uh, I love Gunner. You know, he's a lunch pail guy, but come on, he doesn't even, he, he's not a receiver. Yeah. So what's the point of him? It, you know, it's just, anyway, that's, that's the problem with special teams. It, you know, the special teams ought to be scoring 10 points a game based on all the <laughs> focus we have on them. Instead, they're costing us 10 points uh, a game, literally. That's right. No, it's a great call. I, so uh, let's, that's good, man. This is good. This is good. I love this. I could go on for, for all day talking about this stuff. We, we can't, unfortunately, because we've got hard stop here in about five minutes. Um, I'll just throw it out there. Probably shut and, ca- shut and close case. We always do best 16. Jacoby Myers, right? Shut and open and close. Best. No? Okay. Who, I'm going to go with Zolak. Go Zolak, not for his playing career, although oh. I did watch him once in Foxborough Stadium beat the beat Steve Young and Jerry Rice. We sure did. Out. We were there, baby. It was awesome. Uh, That's awesome. And that day I became a Zoe fan, but I, also just because I love his game calls uh, and him in general. And so I think what he's given the Patriots over the last 25 years is probably better than what he gave them in pads. Uh, but I'll go Scott Zolak. Awesome. I'll give the nod to Zolak, but I'm going to give Plunkett the, at least a shout out, at least under consideration. Number one draft pick. All right. 
All right. So probably one of those two, probably not Jacoby Myers. My NC State homerism just came out <laughs> on you right there. I, I watched him NC State. I love him. You love Jacoby too, to be hey, clear. Hey, give but... it give it five or ten years because right. he could be uh he could be the next Troy Brown or something like That's that. right. Love no, don't that. do that, Detroit. Now come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Jacoby Myers. Troy should be in the football hall of fame. I agree. But if you remember should. Troy's first two or three years were, you know, he, he oh, wasn't yeah. Troy Brown yet. It took them a while. That's right. All right, let's uh, let's get into uh, let's get into Buffalo. We got four minutes here. We'll go just around the horn of predictions. Predictions, five. yeah. Oh. I'm gonna go last today because Dad always takes my score. Uh, ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Stop taking a score, Dad. Uh, all right. All right. I I uh, I'll, I'll start us. How about that? I always go last usually. I'm gonna start us today. So um, I brought up RPOs earlier. And I'm not worried. I all we're gonna hear, I've heard it already. Oh, Sean McDermott, he's gonna lose his mind and you know puke on himself because that's what he does and whatever. First of all, I'm not worried about Sean McDermott. There's another guy that's up in the box calling offensive place, Brian DeBold. That's who I'm worried about. I don't give a crap about Sean McDermott. Uh, and we talked earlier about RPOs. You thought you saw RPOs on Sunday. Get ready to see RPOs on Saturday over and over and well, RPOs over. RPOs are the guy over. who can actually throw it 25 <laughs> yards. Right. Yeah. Right. Over and over. And so um, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope, you know, I've been, I was so pissed off on Sunday and been dogging them and, and would love to see like the, you know, oh man, like just rise from the ashes of this team to go to the division round and the, the miracle and all the crap. But, I just don't see it happening, man. I think they're going to go up there. And I think that the fact they won the first game had to do with weather and, you know, a monsoon windstorm or whatever. And, and we got lucky in that regard. Otherwise I think we'd lose three times to them. So I'm going to take the, uh, I don't have the line. I'll get the line up here in a minute. So you guys have it, but uh, I think the bills are favored by three, if I'm not mistaken, four and a half, four and a half. There you go. Four and a half. Uh, let's see. I'll just pull it up real quick. Four and a half and the total, no four now. So it's four and the total is what? 44. So I'll take, um, I'll go bills. I don't think we can stop them, man. I'll go bills, 35 pats, 17. So I think they're going to get blown out. So on to Mike Davis. So weather's going to be a huge factor. It's going to be an ice bowl. So I'll say 2017 bills. So I guess the Patriots cover. There you go. Take that. I take a close game, Dad. I take. I say the Bills win 31-14. Oof. All right, Chubb. Uh, I think the weather's going to keep the score down and keep the score closer uh, than than we might expect. But um, Josh Allen's a real deal, Greg Bedard. So you're going to have to come around on that. I don't know if he needs a ring first or what, but the guy's a beast, and he's fun to watch. And I like his attitude. Uh, you know, it's nice to say that the Bills coach is going to implode, but I, they've got a good thing going over there. And um, they're going to pull it out 24-17. And uh, if they're not at least in the AFC championship game again, it would be a shocker to me. And um, it could be their year. Who knows? I mean, they're, they, you know, they just need to start stringing a few things together. And hopefully the good Josh Allen gets on a streak here. Um, so that, you know, they're, they're fun to watch good team and, uh, last game of the year for the Patriots, but it was a successful year and I'm looking forward to a super exciting off season. All right. And I hope right. I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we can't go, we can't go five Oh bills here, Andrew. Come on. Are you going to go bills too? Or are you going to, so, you know, well, so I told you, I've been racking my brain for three days trying to figure out like, what's the angle here. Um, 
I am worried about the RPO. I think I'm just generally worried about our lack of execution. I mean, I, um, I do think Belichick, I think playing the bills this week is fortuitous. He know he watched every bit of that tape from three weeks ago and had his staff and his team watch it. They played horribly. They didn't do what they needed to do. And so they're ready. They'll be ready. They'll have a game plan. Uh, I worry about Mac in the cold. He hasn't been looking great. I, I still have questions about if he can play in the cold. And I also just worry about a setting the edge. I mean, Mike Davis, your break, broken record here every week. Uh, what I'd like to see from them, and I don't know if they'll do this, and I'm not a football uh, genius by any level. I'd really like to see them use Hightower as an edge and let Judon be more of an amoeba around the line and rush the passer because I do think they need to get a small linebacker with Duggar and Phillips um, to match the bill speed. And so I think Hightower could set that edge and it might be a great use for him to rotate him and Van Noy through that. I don't know if they'll do that or not. I hope they don't have Van Noy and Hightower trying to cover oh. <laughs> the bills running backs. Cause that's going to make for a long night, but here's what I'll tell you. Uh, I've said all season that I think this team is built for cold weather in the playoffs and that you take a ground game on the road and, and it works. Uh, they showed us what they can do six weeks ago with that in Buffalo. I do not believe in Josh Allen. I think that if he throws another ball, like he threw to JC Jackson three weeks ago, that's going to be a pick six. Uh, and I don't know. I just have this weird feeling that this week it all comes together. They can't play as bad as they did three weeks ago. They'll have a good game plan. Belichick absolutely has their attention after Miami. And I think Josh Allen uh, and Sean McDermott, the moments can be bigger for them than they realize. And I think the Patriots are going to win this game 27 to 20. Oh, uh, there I'm it is. Buffalo wings on Saturday night, and I'm going to eat some Buffalo wings <laughs> while we take down the Bills. I love, love it. it. All right, we got it. Oh, we got to get out of here, but I told Mike Davis I'd give him 30 seconds for a hot take. 30 seconds, then we got to go so, to Mike. So, Andrew, you said exactly the thing. Belichick knows what they need to do right. He's been coaching what they need to do right. And when they still don't do it, I think this is going to be the stride that breaks their camel's back. And I think the reason why Belichick hasn't been apoplectic on the sideline all year is because he knows it's just the league has changed. There's not enough time to practice. There's not enough time to coach what he does. Great. He can't do anymore. And I think Belichick's coaching his last game this Saturday. He has a succession plan and I think he's done. And I wouldn't be surprised if RKK steps aside and lets Jonathan take the reins and Belichick steps aside and retires. Wow. Let's dig into that next week. Yeah. Whether we win or lose, we got a lot to talk about. That's what we call a teaser. Thank you, Mike. Uh, That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Hey, it's awesome having everybody here. Enjoyed the regular season. Uh, Even though it ended in that way, it was great. And uh, man, let's get ready for a wild game, man. You never know. It's the playoffs. I hope the Patriots play well enough to keep you interested in the game past the first series. I appreciate that. Well, we'll see. Depends (laughs) on how long the first drive is. We better receive, by the way. Don't frigging kick off. Take the frigging ball. All right. Let's get out of here. Enjoy the game. Hey, maybe we go win and we get to talk about the division around next week. Everybody have fun for the game. Thanks, guys. Great job, everybody. Go Pats.